Hello, welcome to the Xbox World podcast. Uh, this is number 7,444. Or 45 if you're following it like everyone else. And the last one before Christmas and the last one of the year. Sorry, folks. It's going to be pretty festive, is it? No, actually, no. Probably, probably not. Actually. We had hoped to do like two before Christmas, but we're on ridiculous deadlines at the moment. Yeah, we've got to get a magazine out in about three minutes. So we, we're not going to be able to do two before Christmas. So we're going to make this one extra special. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about some our games of the year. Some other stuff, uh, Steven Seagal, Lawman, and uh, all sorts of other stuff. Yeah. Um, but first, I, I'm Tim. Uh, thanks for tuning in, and the other guys are going to say hello now. Hello. Do I introduce yourself and actually say who you are? I was just saying hello, making sure my phone's on silent. Otherwise, that would be a bit of a cat- uh, catastrophe. Um, hi, I'm Matthew, I'm the, one of the writers. I'm, I'm Mike, the other writer. By far more professional on this occasion than this. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not, not a very professional palette. It's, um, it's pretty bad. So, uh, I guess, uh, Mike, you didn't get a chance to tell me about Steven Seagal, Lawman, law so we might as well st- start there. Where, for those people who don't know, it's a new show starring uh, Steven Seagal, brilliant uh, 1980s, early 90s uh, action star. He peaked star. in the early 90s, I would, I would yeah. argue, with Under Siege. I mean, that, Under Siege really was his Citizen Kane. The thing with Under Siege is the reason people remember Under Siege so uh, fondly is because Seagal's hardly on the screen. He's probably off it about half the movie, I reckon. If you watch That's it, true. Back. There's a lot of Boosie. There's a lot of um, Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Um, nice bit of Erica Leniak. The basic, basically, the actors take care of it, and then he comes in with his kitchen noise and does a bit of the old dishka uh, when he's needed. But uh, but yeah, and he's, sorry, Steven Seagal, lawman. Anyway, he's a he's a real life sheriff. Yeah, apparently he was. Uh, he's taught um, the sheriff the, the sheriff's department in I don't know some place in New Orleans um, about you know some self defense techniques years ago. Now, of course, teaching those techniques like to a decent and usable standard takes many years, but it's okay because Seagal came in and he whipped him up into shave in a couple of days. Um, and then they made him an honorary deputy. Now, all I can only presume is what happened was a few years later, Stephen Seagal was like, so guys, I'm on your honorary deputy, right? And they were like, yeah. And he was like, can I come and be a policeman with you guys? <laughs> and they were like, bit fat, really? And uh, sure enough, he turned up for work one day and they couldn't tell him to go because Steven Seagal and he'll beat you up. So this show is about Steven Seagal being a real policeman. And <laughs> okay, I'm not going um, to go into this and uh, presuming that anything I've seen is fake on the show. I'm going to presume it's all legit and that he really is doing what he's doing and it's, it's all on the level. Um, because no one so far has come up with any evidence that he isn't actually doing this thing. I'm sure some, something could come out in the next few weeks, I don't know. But as far as we know, yeah, he really is going on. He's riding along with these guys. He's wearing a uniform. He's strangely ineffective <laughs> in that, by the time he, on the first episode, every time they arrive in the, on the scene, every, it's all tidied up anyway. Uh, but there's one point where it's like, there's, a, there's literally like 20... American policemen, I'm going to have to stop and go and move back a little bit. American policemen are big fat men. Like, there wasn't a single person on that show who didn't have a second chin, <laughs> including Steve. Steve's got a couple. He's got a couple. And, but, it's, and but, but what I'm saying is they're big guys. Yeah. They're big guys. And big, heavy guys. And sure enough, when they take a dude down, when there's like five of these big American policemen on top of you, you ain't going anywhere. So Steve turns up at this, this like, where he's taken this guy down. Guy's flat on his face. There's six cops on him. Steve comes along, puts his hand on the guy's back. And he's like, <laughs> it's like, I've got, it's like, I got this one, guys. 
<laughs> and I'm not sure if the show is purposely trying to make him look a little bit silly, but there's one part where they're driving along in traffic and they're going fast. They're doing like a, they're chasing his car down. And Steve's like, go left, go left, go left. And uh, the, guy's, the guy's like, he goes, all right, Steve, just let me drive. And he's like, I'll just show you where there's an opening. He sounds a bit like a Captain America from Generation Kill. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. he's very enthusiastic. I'll give him that. He is enthusiastic. And like, what he's doing is dangerous, so fair play to him. But at the same time, I don't know. It's, it's a weird show. It's not, an inter- it's not a good show. No. But Steve does go say some brilliant stuff. He'll be talking like how... Uh, like about the Zen of like he's like oh yeah it's like every time I, I see someone I see them the way they're sitting or whatever and it tells me something about them and I, I, I do this stuff and he was now here's something they were talking about him with him shooting now, they can make as many episodes of the show as they want and they can make it as awful as they want but as long as Steven Seagal shoots something every episode <laughs> I'm in because that guy can friggin shoot yeah. is he a good he shot? can shoot uh, again it might, it might be bullshit on the show but I'm gonna go into presuming that what I've seen is legit the guy. Like, put, we'll put a bullet square in the center of a target. And then then they showed him, he was like, he shot at a, the tip of a cotton bud and split that cotton bud, just boom, blew the cotton bud apart. Bloody that yeah. is some shooting, man. Yeah. Like, if, the, and oh, yeah, he was talking about how you can, you can light a match with a bullet. I was like, bullshit. Oh, Steve yeah, Seagal. I've read about this, yeah. So he shoots the bullet and it just took the tip off. He was like, he's like I'm losing it. He's like, that's no good. <laughs> I was like, that's some good shit. Like, come on, that, that is an entertaining thing. <laughs> Steven, showing Steven Seagal shooting match heads. I could watch that all day. Sounds, sounds good. Sounds good. Does and sound good. He was, he was teaching this like, American cop how to shoot, and you're like, come on, man, what can Steven Seagal teach, teach the police about shooting? Sure enough, you showed him a thing or two. And again, it might be bullshit, I don't know. But it, it was, it was, that part alone was entertaining. Yeah. But yeah, I wouldn't recommend the show. It's, it's a bit like cops, but instead of like these big-ass cops busting people up, is Steven Seagal kind of bumbling talk, his way <laughs> talking about busting people up, uh, arriving late to the scene? <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll probably should talk about games now, so uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about films later because I thought maybe we should talk about our top five um, fa- favorite Christmas films. Well, we've yeah, actually got a question that's, that's, that's about a, that's that. A traditional topic on this one. Um, but we should we'll, also talk about Avatar as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll do we'll do that weeks. later. But um, but but first, I think uh, maybe we should start with uh, what we've been playing this week and um, and uh, what we've been playing in the office and what we've been enjoying. Mike, you've been on a ruse tip. I've been on a ruse tip. I'm in dishing out the ruses. That's it. No, I mean I'm on the PC beta. For Ruse, there is no Xbox beta, so... Enjoying it? It's really good. Yeah, it's... it's, uh, it's um, Will it work on 360, though? Yeah, but it'll be slower. And it's um, it's a slow game anyway. I mean, it really is. It's not a click-fest. Like, real trouble with real-time strategy is even... Even the best ones are just click-fests. They, they always degenerate to that. You, you know, you've got to have a good strategy. You've got to have good tactics. But if you're not clicking fast enough, the guy, you're going to get beaten. You gotta be like, you know, you gotta know where all your pieces are, and you be ready to click and move and click and move and click and move. And Ruse isn't about that. Ruse automates so much stuff. It's like you set a waypoint and they just go, um, which is, I guess, is the same as most RTS games. But you're micromanaging with most RTS games. With this, you're not. You're you're sending them in, and they'll do a very functional job on the way. It's um, the balance is all messed up at the moment, and the guys know it. That's what the beat is for. But even at this stage, it's a really, really neat game. It plays very much like a board game, but, you know, at speed. It's, it's constantly, constantly moving. But the pace is such that it's really not beyond anyone's ability to play. And you're not going to be like, oh, man, I just can't keep up with this action, because you can really... 
really man you've got, you've got so much time to manage your troops and when they're going into a situation <coughs> almost like end war in a way you, you send them in and you're like oh this isn't working you can see and you've got time to pull them out but it's much it's a much smarter game than end war so it will, it will work on a console because what you're essentially doing is you, you have access to all your bases from the start there's no real research you do research individual units but you can research them at any time you only have one resource Oh, and you guys are going to go, you're going to sleep again. That's the, so that's that, that's the no, thing. No, I'm listening. Hey, I, I played Ruse over at Gamescom. I really liked it. I think I, I think beat one, the developer. One of the interesting <laughs> one of the interesting <laughs> things about it is the technology they're using that allows you to zoom right into the yeah. smallest bit of the battlefield and then right up into the so, stars. so it's a tabletop. So yeah, yeah, the engine's amazing. I mean, it's the Supreme Commander thing where you could pull the camera all the way out. So with Supreme Commander, you pull it all the way out and it's just this ugly two D map with like abstract shapes. With this, you pull it all the way out, and it really sort of emphasizes that board game thing where everything's represented by tokens. And when tokens are stacked a few high, yeah. it means several units in that area. And, of course, the big thing is the ruses. Mm. And I, at first, I wasn't using them at all, but after a while, you start to realize, man, you can really mess with people because there's no fog of war in the game. You can see everything they're doing, and they can see everything you're doing. You can't necessarily see what kinds of units they have, but you can see if it's a small unit or a big unit. You can see where the units are. Mm. And then you can start using the ruses. So you to can send fake units to out. To fake them out. That's, that's, that's the cool shit. So or you can, you can hide your own as well. You can, you can do all kinds of things. One. So like, one, of, one of the best things you can do is send a decoy unit out. So you can set up a decoy base. And as, if you have um, any infantry, they can capture any enemy base, which is brilliant. So you have, you have to be constantly on the defense and constantly on attacking. But you have to make sure that they're never going to be you know, rushing in behind and capturing all your bases while you're busy like shooting at their planes in the sky. So what you can do is you can set up a decoy base and set it somewhere lightly defended. So you think, oh yeah, I could probably get that. And they'll send their infantry in. But the decoy bases are booby-trapped, so any time they any, any men they send in to capture it die. If they're not on the ball, they'll send a lot of men in, they'll all be dead. Mm. Then there's um, the ruses which let you spy on what their enemy are doing. So you can see what orders are giving out, you can see what units they've got in a particular section, you can see all kinds of things. But they can use a ruse which gives make, make you an, a different impression of what they're sending in. So they can make all of their light units seem like heavy units. So you could have this big wave of like massive uh, units coming at you. And you're like, oh no, we have to defend. You pull all your units back to defend. <laughs> it's one guy with a machine gun. Turns out it was a bunch of guys with machine guns. <laughs> and that's all. It's, it's the cleverest, cleverest game. The root, I mean, I was playing um, Martin Davis, formerly of Edge, and uh, Owen Hill was saying to him, like, he's, uh, from PSN3, just name dropping all over the place, sorry. Owen Hill said to him, he's like, use your ruses, it's called friggin' ruse for God's sakes. And he wasn't. And the only reason I was winning was because he never knew what I was doing. And I always knew what he was doing. Mm. It's a really smart game, really clever. And it could inspire a whole new wave of ruses in the office, I think. I think mm. we, should, we, should, we should print up some ruse cards, start dishing them out. So I'll be like, hey, Tim, uh, I, got, uh, I handed that uh, eight-page feature in for you. And you'll be like, oh, brilliant. Thanks, Mike. Brilliant. I'll be like, ah, I ruse. <laughs> Rusey. And then Tim's like, oh the, oh, the mag's late now. We're all getting fired. Yeah. Can you, can you see how fun that would be, though? Yeah. I, I tell you what, Mike, I'd, I'd really enjoy that if yeah. you did that. Yeah. Brilliant. Especially on this deadline we're on now. Yeah, brilliant. So, Pallet, what about you? What have you been up to? Um, well, before we move on, I just want to say the sad thing about ruse is that it's not going to sell. I know that already. Yeah. It isn't going to sell. Being... And it does it like End War. It deserves to. And it just well, won't. M more shifted like a million copies in the end, I think. No, that's not too bad. It, it, did, it did really good, but it did have a Clancy name on the box, and Ruse doesn't have a Clancy name on the box. So it's called Ruse, not End War. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the PC beta has got a lot of interest, and there's a lot of people playing it. It will work on consoles. This is an RTS which will definitely work on consoles. You, I can see the controls right away. Yeah. You just flip between your units or your bumpers. 
just deploy with the A well, button. Well, when I played it, it seemed perfectly manageable. The only thing I would say is that, I mean, this was Gamescom where you you got half-hour slots. You need to run between the different rooms to get to everything. I got yeah. there a couple of minutes late. I, I literally, first thing, like, oh, here you go. Here's a pad. You're playing one of our guys. It's like, what? And I only won because I had someone, like, talking me through what to do. Yeah. It was, yeah. like, my strategy, but he was telling me how to put it into action. And it seemed like for the first game, it seemed to be a lot to get your head around. But there is a few it, hours in on the beta. There's no tutorial. Just you're just right. straight at the deep end. So I had to learn by I had to learn by doing. It was nice that I had someone friendly to play against because it wasn't the competitive thing. Yeah, I haven't lost a game anymore. I should say that I haven't. I am ruse rather. I literally haven't lost a single game in about thirty games. I haven't lost once, and I think that's because quite a lot of the time I'm coming up against people who've only just. Sort yeah. of started dabbling and with not it. playing with the ruses. Yeah, so what I'm trying to, but what I've been doing lately is just say, just slowing it down to give them a chance to mess around and see what they can do. And um, in, at any given time, you're never really messing with any more than five or six like bases. And the maps are just always big square areas. There's a very distinct order of play. Straight through the start, you always send out, you can collect your resources and so on. It's it's very um, it's a very organised and methodical game. And if that, that really appeals to this kind of this weird sort of obsessive compulsive side of me, the part which loves Luminez and Tetris and likes to put things in order and sort things. And you can play in a really methodical fashion, but once it gets to about the halfway point, you really have to start really you know, you really have to start improvising because you because at that point the number of variables that have been introduced are just enormous. Really clever game. Possibly too clever to sell. Mm. But then it's coming out in the right time for that game. I mean, if it's going to sell, it's going to sell in like February, March, you yeah. know? Even if Ubisoft are suddenly selling it up against their own game, Splinter Cell. Ubisoft have got a crazy start to the next year. They've got Ruse, they've got Splinter Cell, and then they've got Prince of Persia. Yeah. Which, we're oh. gonna be, which will be debuting next week. It's unbelievable that it's out in May. I know. Well, they That's usually the... pull this trick, but <clears throat> it's normally with the Vegas or a Graw. They yeah. uh, Before the end of the year, probably... Maybe like October time. Yeah, they'll say we've got something coming out in Feb or March. It either means that they've they've been working on it and it's and they're ready to show the world because it's so impressive and they want to dazzle the world, or it's massively worrying because it's out in May and no one's heard anything about it. I yeah. think it's because the first Prince of Persia wasn't brilliant, and they thought maybe they couldn't get away with the same levels of hype for this one. You think they, they poisoned their they're, brand? Yeah, but I think they have. I, I'm confident they'll have turned it around. When it, when they put the uh, the advert on up on the uh, internet, the uh, artwork, just teasing the trailer. I never thought I'd be so happy to see that prince again, that warrior within guy, that mm. douchebag from the second game with his red sash and his lank, long lank hair. I was like, man, that guy can go piss up a rope. But you know what? He's back, and I'm really happy because yeah. at least he's not the Nathan Drake prince. Yeah. So um, so yeah, I've been playing Assassin's Creed too. Um, even though I, I, I finished it have, for right? review, but I finished it again uh, on my own profile this weekend, and um, with the special with the secret locations that were in the black edition, so we had a few extra secret locations to jump into. They were good. They're not as good as the f- final six in the game, or seven if you count the auditory crypt. Although that wasn't that that brilliant itself. No. Um, Which you unlock from the UPlay system. Which is a brilliant system. I I'm think really it's really good. It. Yeah, I think it's really good. So for you those, know about this, do you, Tim? Yeah, I do know. You do know about it. Yeah, yeah. For those of you who don't know, um, Uplay is the new, I guess, achievement system, though achievements might be kind of the wrong word for it, that Ubisoft are now putting in all their games. And when you play a game through from start to finish, you'll gain up to four achievements. Yeah, one's um, 40, one's 30, one's 20, one's 10. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
to be honest, just for playing the game. You yeah. don't really have to do anything fancy. If yeah, you just if play you look, the game, we, we've, seen those, we've seen those you play achievements for Ruse, you've seen them for Splinter Cell. They're just stuff you would get from playing the game yeah. anyway. And, I mean, uh, the whole thing just exists so Ubisoft can get your email address, really. And so they can mark it to you. And even yeah. then you can tick a box saying, don't send me any stuff. And, um, and then, so you gain these points, and then you can redeem them Nintendo Stars Catalog style. Although this time you'll actually get what you redeem against and they won't get mysteriously lost in the post like my last few things have from Nintendo. Oh, so and, bitter. Uh, and uh, and yeah, yeah, you'll unlock extra things for your games. Yeah, it's just a way of handling unlocking in the game, but it's, it's cross-game unlocking. So yeah. the points I earn in Assassin's Creed, I can say, I really want a theme. Shitty theme. I, no. I don't use throwing knives. So I don't but want those. But a new multiplayer skin for Splinter Cell or exactly. a new game mode. Yes, and of course, please. it's quite, quite um, a revelatory in, in that one of the things you can unlock for Splinter Cell, which we can see from within Assassin's Creed, is a mercenary skin for Splinter Cell, which suggests the Spy yeah. vs. Merc multiplayer is coming back, well, which means I'm going to quit my job to play that again. Because, man alive, I love that game. Uh, the Spy vs. Merc was... We did that huge feature in the yeah, magazine. Yeah. Anyone who remembers... Five who, pages or something Yeah, like a big, big feature where we spoke to the guy who made it. And as far as we know, he's not involved with the new game, which is disappointing, because the job that Ubisoft Annecy did on, um, on Pandora Tomorrow and Chaos Theory... Just exceptional. The best multiplayer game I've ever played. I think that I think it's fair to say that none of the Splinter Cell games have really had a multiplayer anywhere near as good as that. It's it's kind of since that since that point, it's kind of that was definitely the peak in the series. It was the double agent one where they they were like, oh, you know what? We've made this multiplayer game just too hard for people, so let's make it really simple. And they did, and it was awful. Yeah, it's just awful. So I don't think it's I don't think it's outside the realms of of possibility that Spiders and Mercs will be back for the next game. No, I think I think the Uplay system kind of gives that away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you earn 100 points in all your games and like Mike says, it's just a way of getting unlockable. People might say, oh, you know, I have to buy into the system. It's no different from you just unlocking something in the game. Like if yeah. you play a game, get to point X and then suddenly something else is unlocked in the game. Only now you can store up you know, from points from one game and use it against the other. Yeah. I think, so I I like think it. it's really cool. I yeah, think, I think it's, it's a nice good. system. And I'll be on day one, I'll be playing Spy vs. Merc with my new face. <laughs> Brilliant. So I've been playing Assassins 2 <coughs> and uh, a couple of other things that I've... Uh, oh, DJ Hero, but it wiped my save, so I've got to start it all again. So I'm very sad about that. Good adverts for those. Not TV bad. adverts not are good. Bad. Old uh, Slim Shady and uh, what's Jay-Z. his face, Jay Z. Yeah, that's why the game costs some one hundred and eighty exactly, yeah. quid in the Renegade Edition, right? Just, just pay Jay Z bill. bills. That's for naught point naught 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 one second of that advert. One one <laughs> copy. If you buy one copy of the game, that pays for naught point naught 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 one second of that advert. And um, I see. I always I, I always laugh at that advert as well because of the appalling green screen work where it's like it's put these like different guys together. They're so not together. Oh, but how much better is that advert than that stupid band hero one with Taylor Swift and those blokes in that Haven't underpants behind? I've seen it. Oh, it drives me out the wall. Why, why do you, you, the only reason you don't like that advert is because it's got Taylor Swift in it. Yeah, and the blokes She's in that underpants. Swifty. and Swifty's the music. Right. I couldn't tell you a Taylor Swift song if you had a gun to my head. No, I couldn't either. It's only that advert. That's the only time I've heard her sing. All you need to know is that she's quite attractive. Is that all you need to know? Yeah. Remember when um, game adverts were like, to be this good takes ages? Yeah. And Rick Mail. Remember, Rick, remember Mayo, Rick Mail yeah. SNES adverts? Whatever happened to Rick Mail? Don't know. Didn't he come off his quad bike or something? He did, but he's yeah. fine now. He, uh, right. he, 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 he staged a miraculous recovery. He just disappeared. I never, you never heard, any, heard anything of him. Just spending his money. Yeah, he's just doing that. Um, 
And I've been playing some Metro Prime 3 over on my Wii and oh, some Dead Space Extraction game, again. Yeah. Oh, God, that's not... Uh, it is. I'll tell you what I do like about Dead Space Extraction. It's got the, um, the reloading system from, from Gears of War. The active reload. The active reload, yeah. Which I'm amazed at. More games well, Cliffy Beer said that. that. Yeah, you can't believe that people, more people, haven't stolen the active reload. They've yeah. stolen the controls, they've stolen the camera, but they haven't stolen Look, the active reload. I know reload. that's like one of the best things yeah, about that. It's really cool. So, um, but yeah. since we're talking about Dead Space Extraction, I can I can just harpoon you. That game is terrible. It's not. It's not terrible. even a game. It's it um, you know, those old 3DO games where it was like like Sewer Shark or whatever. You know, it was CDI games mm. where it was just like like Mad Dog McCree. Just yeah, like, where it was just a, a load of story and then Phantasmagoria. And then you have to point your pointer and like click, 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 click. That's I said it wasn't even a pointer. Be like aiming a, the reticle with your um with your D pad in like those 3DO games. There's no game there. It's just. I mean, I, I, the entire first 15 minutes of the game, I fired probably 15 shots, and I just turned it off. I was like, I'm never playing this again. Never playing this again. It's, just, no, it's, just, it's absolutely pointless. Did you only play the first level, then? Yeah. Oh, no wonder you're moaning. If I, yeah, Pella, I've got a life, mate. I'm not going to play a game which doesn't grab me in the first five minutes. If Ruse can grab me, the slowest game ever, if Ruse can it's grab me loss, in the first Mike. five minutes. It's your loss. Yeah, my loss, is it? Absolutely. It's a great experience. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose out on all that awful acting and people talking at me and the, yeah. and the, the ugly Oh, the first guy, ugly, he was ugly terrible. Wee graphics. His, his acting is dreadful. Sam Coldwell, yeah, his, his voice is naff. I thought the chick was quite good. Lexine. The chick was talking to him, yeah. Yeah, Lexine's lovely. Got a lot of time for Lexine. Also, it's the sure, darkest yeah. game I'm sure you I've ever played. A lot of time to oh, you should play a CSI Deadly Intent then, Mike, or, or Sherlock Holmes versus Jack the Ripper. Should I? Neither of which have brightness options. I'll hasten to add because in um, a Dead Space Extraction, I cranked the brightness all the way up to max, and I still had to turn my TV up just so I could see what's attacking me. That's how dark that game is. It's not that dark. It is that dark. It ain't that dark. It is that dark because I've got my TV set up properly and that game is not set up for a, for a real setup on TV. And I know I've got my TV set up properly because I no use it. No wonder. You, you were probably so busy moaning about the story that you weren't shaking the Wii remote for the glow stick. You got a glow stick. No, I, used it, I did that remote. and that's retarded as well. Having to shake the thing. That's the thing you're supposed to be pointing at the screen to kill things and I have to shake it in a masturbatory fashion. Awful. Hate it. And guess what? It sold like eight copies. So you ain't getting a sequel. Have that. <laughs> Nothing else to add to that. But, oh, well, but fingers crossed for Dead Space 2, though. Yeah, brilliant. Now, who, that's who the thing. That. See, that's, that's what our extraction should have been. Because how well does Resident Evil 4 work on the Wii? Yeah, it works really well. I'll tell you what. When you start extraction, it starts off... It looks like you're in a third-person camera, but you're looking at someone else. And it's like, Dead Space can work on the Wii. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and uh, I, sh- I should say before I go on, I'm not gloating over the game having sold a few copies. I'm gloating over Mac and not getting a sequel. The actual game is so well made. I mean, the guys who made it, and the British team as well, led yep. by uh, led by a couple of American guys who flew over from uh, oh, what's their Red name Wood these days? Rebel Shores. Well, visceral game. Visceral. Oh god, why did they change their name? But yeah, they flew over and they led up this team. And my god, those those guys know how to use a Wii. Yeah. They really do. It lo- I mean, the game looks fantastic. Uh, too dark though. Next time, brightness. Up a little bit, but I mean, it's the technical mastery is incredible. So I hope those guys go on to make more sort of gamers games for the yeah. Wii. But I could say after selling as few copies as it did, I know, it must there's just no market for it on the no. Wii, is there? There's just no market for it. It's crazy, isn't it? Because I mean, some of the the adult games they've got on 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 the Wii are some of the most adult games you could possibly. No more heroes, Mad World, World yeah, um, House of the, the Dead, Dead Overkill. Overkill. They've got House the rest of the games Dead, that are I good. I couldn't believe that when I played that. It's just it's just a potty-mouthed bloodbath. Yeah. 
but it's got so much swearing in it. I was, I was, I think until Rogue Warrior came along, I was genuinely uh, quite taken aback by it. I was, you know, it's like that's a lot of swearing in that game. Yeah. Um, good ending. Good, well. yeah, great yeah, ending. Yeah, great ending. Yeah, yeah. Which we probably can't mention on the podcast. No, probably not. It's just but it is worth it is worth playing for that. Yeah, horribly grotesque ending. But yeah, it's a strange, strange sort of. Uh, I don't know. I mean, those games. I don't know where those games are ever going to work their way across to sort of 360 or PS3. Well, but it no seems more like heroes is the first. No more heroes them. is yeah, yeah, but it's sort of nat- more natural home for it on, on those consoles. Um, so Mad World in particular, I think, would work without the controls. And any light gun game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I could see how it will work with Sony's Magic Wand. Yeah, in a way, but with Natal, I don't see it myself. No, no, unless you're drawing from the hip and going with the old fingers and thumbs. That'd be alright. <laughs> as long as it's in the comfort of your own home with no one around. In the, uh, the, the uh, terrible third level of Metal Gear Solid 4, um, there's a bit at the end, which is the only good cutscene in the game, by the way, because all the cutscenes in that game are so overblown. There's a really good cutscene at the end of uh, level 3. Oh, where here we go. Pellet stuck his fingers in his ear because he hasn't played it. Pellet, the game came out 18 months ago. I know it did. I'm still meaning to go back to it. I'm not going to spoil it, but I'm just saying there's this cool bit because um, everyone's like linked with nano machines. Revolver Ocelot's standing there and he's got all of his guys with him and he's like, draw! And he just pulls his fingers out and you're like, he's gone mental. And he just, he's just pointing his fingers at you. And, they all and then he starts style. going, just flapping his fingers around and everyone else is shooting. So he's standing, he's just standing in the middle of this like this sandstorm of bullets that are just flying forward. It's a cool, it's a cool little scene. The rest of the scenes in the game probably not so much, it. but that's a bad level, a really bad level. So, Mike, are we going to talk about our, our best games of uh, 2009 then? All right, Tim, let's talk about our best games of 2009. So, a couple of days ago, I sent around a little, um, a little email. Hang on, let me find the. Thing. Were you pleased at how? Uh, we responded straight away. Yeah, an email where to all of our freelancers and everyone on the team, everyone responded apart from the team. So all the freelancers got back to me right away and were like, yeah, no problem, Mike, here's our things. And this was for no pay as well. So they all, uh, they all dished out instantly. You guys, I think thanks, I was off thanks for your time. support. I think I was off. I think I was doing it. something small like sending the magazine. Ooh, my name's Tim, I'm the editor. <laughs> No, I've got a lot of work on my plate. So, um, yeah, so I, I put together a list of our top five games. Um, I, I, I said, just give, give me your five, favourite five games of the year, in order. Loads of people said Bayonetta, but I said, no, don't say Bayonetta, because we'll, 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 say, we'll say that we're only going to stick it to games which have been released in yeah. the UK this year. Because there's so many strong games, like, I didn't want to have to include Bayonetta on my list, basically. That's did, the reason why. Did anyone even mention Resident Evil 5? Yes. Really? Yes. You got one. Like it was number five on one person's list. I'm surprised. Yeah, Resident Evil Five. Who was who was it who voted for it? Oh, I don't know. I think it might have been Kitsy. It's bizarre that a game like Resident Evil cannot even is <coughs> just mentioned by one person. I mean, no. If you got if we'd gone back a year to this time, well, actually, it came out around this time last year, but maybe like back sort of. It came out in March. I did it sort of 13, 14 months. I mean, I would have been telling you, Tim, it would be the game of this year. Yeah. Yeah. Unequivocally, I would have been like absolutely. I would stake money on losing Mikami. Really hurt that game. I mean, really has hurt yeah. that series. Um, yeah, we we talked about it on our our roundtable, our next DVD roundtable. We got a roundup of the the games of '09, or the defining games of '09, I should say. And got Resident Evil on there because it's the one everyone expected to be 
mm. up there. Yeah. And it should, have been, it should have been one of the game of the year. I mean, mm. Resident Evil 4 was absolutely one of the best games of the last generation. <coughs> yeah. So very disappointing. But go on, Mike, um, without further ado. All right, then. So notable omissions, just think. Resident Evil. A couple of people did uh, vote for um, Ballad Gay Tony and Lost in the Damned. I almost did, but I thought, that's DLC as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. I refuse to class episodes as a standalone game. Right, okay. Some people did, though. It didn't make a top five. The top five is a funny old list, actually, because number one and number two got a way for a thin gap between them. Absolutely close. And the way I did it was five points for number one, three points for, four points for number two, and so on, down to one point if it's at number five in people's lists. There's a tie for number five. Number five is... Anyone? Oh, you can say Gorilla. Um, it's Red Faction Gorilla and Street Fighter 4. Right. We should bump Gorilla off that. Street Fighter 4. With that. Uh, that, that's my, my, uh, my two cents. Gorilla there. is one of my favourite games of the year, and it's partly because it's due to me that it's there, because I think I put it at number four in my votes. It's only two points, but it, it got a, hell, it got a decent, decent uh, like round of votes. Everyone sort of... Put it in their list without putting it right at the top. Everyone really enjoyed it. Udi liked it as well. He put it in there. FIFA didn't make the list. The only two people to vote for FIFA were Tim and, and me. you. Yeah, which is really surprising. And we should be talking about your games in the office I, as well later. I, I think the uh, I think the reason the, the reason FIFA doesn't make people's lists is because FIFA is always just there. FIFA's there in the background. Yeah. It's, it's the unsung hero. It's the one everyone goes to on a lunchtime. But if 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 you're put on a spot and asked to give your games of the year, you, you tend not to consider that. You think yeah. about the, the big hitters. You know, the for, for me, I mean, this year has been a... Well, actually, the last couple of months, really, has been a bit of a revelatory experience because before, before then, I would always, you know, always, as you guys know, always been a bit of a fan of PES. And then the new PES came in and it was not very good at all. And so we, we decided, I decided to switch to FIFA. And one of the reasons I hadn't really switched to FIFA before was because I knew I'd get absolutely hammered every single lunchtime by Pellet. Um, it's fun, that, isn't it? And yeah, and as, as Mike, I'm sure, will attest, that's not, not particularly fun. So, um, but over the course of the last two months, as I kind of you know, started to learn about the, the game, I've realised what actually a, a fantastic game it is. And I can't believe Pellet thought Pez was so good for so and long. And you've gotten seriously good as well. I mean, Tim's like the... I'm like the blacksmith and Tim's like the sword. I've been putting him in the fire and hammering him for so long that now he's, he's nice and shiny and he's, uh, he's, he's coming to his own. Yeah, it's, uh, the matches are definitely a bit closer than they once were. Um, but FIFA has that sort of strange ability to, um, you, you know, to one game you, you can play amazingly well and then next game you can yeah. get hammered 4-0. Um, I think it's, it's the FIFA gods, right? Yeah, I think if I could work out, if I was a better one-on-one finisher... I honestly think that I I I could probably beat you more often than not. Yeah. I miss so many chances in that game. I've said before, Matt's one of Matt's strongest, biggest strengths is that he's not afraid to just bang it from the edge of the box. Like for you and me, for me in particular, I get near the box so rarely that when I do, I, I kind of really want to make sure it works. But Matt is usually dominant enough that he's not afraid to just get to the edge of the box and just bang it. Put it to old Stephen Gerrard, just bang yeah. it, and. It, you know, nine times out of ten, I don't do nothing. But that one time, it'll win him the game. That's what I need to do in tournaments. That's what I don't do. I play exactly like you do, Mike. When mm. I get to tournaments, try and walk it in. Yeah. And you just got to have the confidence outside, which is, you know, what lunchtime games are for. It's kind of fun. 
But yeah, that's the reason FIFA made my top five is because this year I think it's the first year when I realised actually what a great game it is. Um, it still has its problems. I think there's still a couple of eminently fixable um, things in there which which they need to address. But uh, but generally, I think it's Matt and I were coming up with this theory about FIFA a couple of uh, weeks ago where <coughs> we thought. I really think they break something every year. They deliberately break something. This year's the throw-ins. Yeah, although I think, I think yeah, the throw-ins aren't very good. They deliberately I... break something so that you can be like, oh man, I'll get next year's update if they fix the throw-ins. Yeah. And you'll be like, you get it, and it turns out they fix the corner kicks. You know, they've broken the corner kicks in the meantime, you know? The throw-ins, are, uh, I've figured out, uh, uh, you just have to wait. You just have to wait until your players move a little bit. I think what was happening before is I was always trying to take the quick, quick throw-in. Yeah. But... Um, but Pella's quite sneaky. He'll, uh, he'll, he'll, he probably already knows all this, but he doesn't tell anyone. I didn't find out how to do a, a controlled shot until about, oh, I'd say about seven weeks into us playing if every there, lunchtime. If there had been some advantage to him telling you how to do it, he would have told you. Like yeah. the same last time he told Udi that you can, you can jump the wall. And you can make the whole wall jump. And Udi was like, oh, that's, that's, that's useful. I, I remember that. And then Matt just banged it at his wall straight underneath him as yeah. Udi jumped and it went in the goal. Udi didn't jump, though. That's the thing. Udi didn't jump. Look at him. Look how pleased he is with himself. That one thing that I know that Tim wants to get fixed is if there's ever a free kick outside the box, yeah. it almost always goes in. It's an in. instant goal. Like if, you, if you do it right, it's yeah, yeah. almost an Well, if you goal. do it right with the right player, I mean, you know, like certain players with will, Gerard yeah, will yeah. bang it in every single time. So you, you, just, you basically can't commit a foul outside the area, otherwise it's an instant no. goal. You, you might as well have a penalty. In fact, <laughs> I think you'd, I'd stand a better chance in a penalty than a free kick. Goal pie. So, yeah. Number four, four is a three. Yeah. Officially the magazine's game of the year, based on the score I banged on it. Um, it didn't make my list. No, it didn't make your list. It was it's been very. because you haven't played it. No, I have not that much, though. Matt, you, you played it as much as I played Dead Space Extraction, <laughs> which is like 15 minutes. <laughs> Douchebag. Um, yeah, I, I loved Forza. Um, I maintain it's one of the best made. I don't think any of you guys would debate that. It's one no. of the most well made games yeah. ever, Brilliantly ever, made ever, game. ever played. It's. The best there is at what it does, much like Wolverine. For I, I was really looking at looking forward to Forza Three. What I think I discovered last month when I played it is that those games aren't for me anymore. Right. I don't think I've got the time. Like I, I used to have just weeks where I could plow hours into Gran Turismo. I just don't have that time anymore. Yeah, there's too many is, games. Yeah, which too is why time. I don't think uh, my um, my brother-in-law's just got a uh, an Xbox 360 and he bought Forza, and he's just. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. You know, you can't can't believe it. <laughs> For it's some people, a, it's just because it's an obsession, you know. Yeah, it's just, and I think I think one of the things I liked about it was that, and and I haven't played it anywhere near as as much as Mike has, but I've played it a bit, probably more than Pellet. Um, is you go into it, and it's the choice. There's there's so much choice, you know, like the, the vehicles and everything, you know, and and you can go in and just fiddle around with cars and there's just all that kind of stuff and then there's all that setup you know there's so many vehicles so many things you can do with those vehicles the um the, what's it called the art the painting stuff, the and painting stuff, yeah. stuff's really and you don't good. have to do any of that you don't have to tune no. you don't have to paint and then you get onto the track and it's absolutely pitch mm. perfect as well yeah and i think it's um yeah it's just a very very well made well made game you could almost just sit there and if you liked the painting the, ve- the vector art 
you can just produce that, just dish out Vectra all day without even touching the racetrack. Yeah. If you like racing, well, you, you need to paint. You can just race. You know, there's a little bit of something for everyone. In very know. different ways. Forza 3 reminds me of um, Football Manager. Mm. Mm. Like, you can, you can just go in and, and bang A a few times. Football Manager, just play your game, do your yeah. formation, that's it. But you can, well, like you guys said, spend hours and hours, yeah. you know, not progressing a week or like any EA sports game any time you play an EA sports game that they design those games to be the only game you'll ever yeah. need they design them that way so it'll last you a year because they know in America there are guys who will buy an Xbox and Madden and they yeah. will never play another game they just love Madden or Tiger Woods even they'll just buy um, a 360 oh you guys start laughing because <laughs> Tiger Woods is suddenly a figure of fun no it's just that we were having a discussion which we wouldn't be able to repeat on air about Tiger Woods before the podcast yeah, we like Tiger. He's all right. He's a good boy. But he, um, he's a good guy. So, I mean, you, like, you'll be constantly getting, like, tournaments and stuff. And updating. I say that's the one thing that they could be doing with, um, with Forza, in which, which Dirt does, which is like a weekly tournament. So it's mm. like a weekly, you know, just try and beat this best time. Uh, I'll tell you what I like about Dirt over Forza. I'm not saying I, I think Dirt 2 is a better game than Forza. I don't. I think Forza is a better made game, without a doubt. But for me, Dirt 2 is quite disposable. I don't find that with Forza. Throwaway, yeah. You can jump I, in, I can jump out. turn it on, have two races, fireworks are going off, I'm smashing people up, and yeah. then, like, turn it on a couple of weeks later. Well. And I haven't lost anything. Whereas Forza, I feel like if, if I'm not constantly there, plugging in the hours, uh, you know, I'm already behind in it. And I just, yeah, it feels like a mammoth undertaking. Yeah, Forza's and very good looking as well. It's very good looking. I mean, ridiculously so. But... Dirt is much more crowd pleasing. Yeah, it's got those crowd pleasing graphics where like bits of the car fall off and get covered in dirt and it gets all dusty and it just looks great. It's just a really, really. So if you, if, you, if any regular, if anyone who didn't really understand what the stuff that Forza is doing, looks at the two side by side, they say Dirt is like the better game by a mile, the better looking game by a mile. And certainly the feeling of speed in Dirt, I don't think he's been beaten anywhere else. They're using all kinds of tricks that the Forza guys refuse to use to make it feel faster, but. That's a great game. A game we which uh, was also voted for a couple of times, but didn't make the top five. I'm gonna predict number three, Modern Warfare Two. It is Modern Warfare Two. Modern Warfare Two, and a long way from the game that's at number two. Um, we all played Modern Warfare. Yep. I think everyone at home has played it as well. It sold ten billion copies. It's been getting a lot of stick online, and those people are fools for laying into it as much as they are. The people who are saying it's worth nothing more than a seven out of ten are complete friggin' idiots. Got, because it's more and they the need same. to play. Some shit games to to realise how good Modern Warfare Two is. In face of Rogue Warrior, it, it makes me sick when I go online. And I see people say Modern Warfare Two is a seven out of ten game. It the really thing does. is, Pat, there's two things here. One is that Modern Warfare Two was always going to have a massive backlash against it yeah. in some quarters because it's so massively successful, like GTA. Yeah. The other thing is is that people online just because they don't have to face anyone because they don't have to speak to anyone directly, they can just say whatever the hell they want. Yeah, it, whether they believe that or not is is totally irrelevant because a lot of the time they'll just put it on to be controversial or to make themselves heard. You know, I think it's it's a lot harder to come out and say Modern Warfare Two is. I agree with everyone else. I'm following the pack. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, it's a lot easier to come out and say actually Modern Warfare Two is absolute rubbish because you know it makes you heard and everyone's like it's pointless. It's pointless. Don't get even get riled about it. I'm getting so tired of hearing people say oh it's just more of the same rubbish. It's more of the same. You're like, well, if you don't want more of the same, buy a different game. You know, that's it's, if it were clues in the name. It's like, is, is that, I mean, does any is anybody sitting here thinking, oh man, I hope Halo Halo Four is a karting game? Yeah, I really, really hope 
Imagine if they did make it a cutting game. Yeah. And then then those same people would be like, what the hell have they done? the same? Yeah. Like, we have, oh, yeah, man, I tell you what, Batman, that game would only be made better by being like a block-dropping puzzle game. Yeah. That it wouldn't be more of the same then. But who wants that? Everybody, you, you yeah. buy a sequel because you want more of what the first game was so yeah. good at. But it, Modern Warfare 2, the variety in it is yeah. so incredible. It's not like it is more of the same. There's all these bits that weren't in the first game. Like the a lot of rooftop. A lot of it, but not all of it. Like running over the rooftops in, was it Brazil? Yeah, that's cool. Like, that felt quite like Mirror's Edge or something, you know. It's, but I you're not sure about the multiplayer, game. Mike? No, I'm not. I, I don't think it's as good as COD 4. No, I multiplayer, think, no. I think the multiplayer is really good. I mean, they're starting from such a high mark that it's real good. There's not a great deal you can do to mess it up, but what they have done is mess it up. Uh, it's like, to, 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 use the you're not going to use your cake analogy I am actually, again. No, I'm going to pick holes in this analogy. Actually, yeah. if I may. In that case, I'm not going to use it, because Pearl will pick holes in it. There you go, have that. Oh, um, no, use it, use it. I'll, no, I'll it's like oh, a beautiful cake. No, I'm gonna, what I'm going to say is, like, they, they absolutely had the right formula before. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was fine. There's, and there was nothing they could do, I don't think, to COD 4 to make it better. More maps, maybe couple more guns, but you're in danger of messing it up as soon yeah. as you start int- introducing stuff. Because what they had was just right. It was just complicated enough. They had, they had got all of the elements in just the right quantities. Mm-hmm. And then like, along comes a sequel, and the, the only thing they could do to make it better was to do more of everything. But more of everything didn't make it better. It made it slightly worse. Yeah. And a lot of really good modes have been hurt by some of the new weapons, some of the new attachments, some of the new airstrikes. Yeah. And I've it, been in matches where... You're just dodging a, re- a rain of bullets constantly. Exactly. Well, it's like at any given point, there are at least two aircraft in the air. So you can't go out in the open. Yeah. So I'm like hiding in a, in a cave with a rocket launcher because that's all I've got. And I'm being shot. You're, you're, like you're hiding in the cave like, a, like the Taliban. Yeah. That's like, exactly like what like I'm Osama doing. Osama bin Laden. Yeah. So... so but... See, what everyone's going to say who disagrees with me, and it's it's okay if you do, because it's still a very good game, people are going to say, all that does is just change it, you know, just change it, you've got to change your strategy, and I agree, you do. It's like when when you've got the choppers up, you have to get get undercover, and you have to really think about what you're doing, and dash from point to point, and it really does change the game. But for my money, it changes the game for the worse. (laughs) The new strategies you have to employ aren't as fun as the old strategies we were employing, and the new tactics you have to use aren't as fun as the old tactics, And, and... I don't think you'll find anyone who could argue that the new maps, the whole collection, there's not a single map which is as good as the best of the maps in COD 4 either. They they had some really good maps there. The new ones, not a patch on the old ones. Uh, It's just too much stuff, the new game. Mm. They've been too generous. They've given us too much stuff, and the sheer weight of stuff has really twisted some of the modes into things which isn't as good as they used to be. I don't know. It's a great game. I'm really enjoying it. Didn't enjoy it as much as COD 4. Number one and number two. I'm going to predict. Oh, this is tricky. I think it's going to be Assassins number two and Batman number one. What do you reckon, Tim? Tim? I think Batman will be number one. You reckon? Mm. Number two is, with 34 points, number one is 35 points. Number two is... Batman. Batman. Which means number one is Assassin's Creed. 
That's um, and you never saw it coming. And guess what? I absolutely agree. Game of the year, Assassin's Creed. My favourite game this year. Not the game I saw would have scored higher, so still score four is higher. That's the funny thing. But for the most fun I've had with the game this year, Assassin's Creed. You That's guys? Close. Well, um, I put one. Well, I reviewed both of them. I, I scored Batman higher in my top five. I put Batman one, Assassins two. Mm-hmm. I can't really comment on oh, Assassins because yeah. I haven't played it. Um, but Batman, I have. Well, played half of it. That's a lie, actually. I put Assassins three. I put DJ Hero two. Yeah, you did. But um, both fantastic games. Yeah, you're 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 voting. If you'd voted, um, if you put Batman, um, if you put Assassin's Creed number five, then it would have been. Because Matt was, Matt's vote was the last one to come in. If he put Assassin's one point lower, then they would have been a draw for number one. But it wasn't Assassin's Creed's officially Xbox World's Game of the Year. I think yeah. the thing is with, with that is that I think it's uh, Assassin's, Assassin's Creed 2 you, you would kind of expect to be up there. But I think with Batman, Batman was such a, a massive surprise. Came out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah that um, in a way, you know, from, I haven't played, like I say, I haven't played Assassin's. So, it, you know, I'm speaking from a point where I've only really looked over Pellet's shoulder. But, you know, Batman for me is will will be the game of the year because it came in against such tremendous odds, really. Mm-hmm. Um, superhero games generally have been absolutely terrible. Um, it came from a developer that had a one-game CV, and that game was pretty good, but not amazing. And, um, it, it you know, it just... Landed and it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I mean, uh, Assassin's... apart from the boss fights, which are absolute toss. <laughs> Assassins is, will uh, will be around for long. Like, there's more to do in Assassins. It takes a lot longer to complete. There's DLC coming. There's DLC coming. Once you, well, there might still be for Batman. I think. Yeah, I think there'll be some challenge um, rooms. But um, even so, just like the game, you get the disc in the box, probably two times three times longer than Batman mm-hmm. like in terms of the time you can spend finding new stuff to do yeah. um, which obviously that's a plus but for me because Batman does less like it gets everything spot on whereas yeah. there's a couple of things still in Assassins I would tweak okay Batman could have had better boss fights could have everything had else fights. yeah definitely could have had better boss fights everything else you've been w- struggling with boss fights tim no not be- I, I well I, I got to the electric floor thing with uh, harlequin and i've yeah i'm struggling with that it's just doing my nutting it's not that it's i can see what to do it's not that it's necessarily polit- pat- particularly difficult i think it's more just like the the combination of having to deal with a, a monster closet and electric <laughs> floors yeah is doing my nut. It's a bad combo. Yeah. And I, I think I think I said to you guys and you sort of like, yeah, whatever. But I <laughs> I think it's I think it's totally unbefitting of of what had come before in that game. Because what had come before was carefully considered, brilliantly structured, and perfectly paced. Yeah. And um it didn't have to rely on the old tricks that the games always pull out of the bag to to, to you know, when it comes to boss fights and when it comes to slowing down the or, or elongating the experience, and um, so when I when I did the Bane first Bane boss fight, I was uh, I thought, oh god, I hope there's not more of this to come. Yeah, later on, after the uh, electric floor, you have to fight two Banes at yeah. once. and um, it just I just think it's it's it was a bad design mistake. I didn't need that. It doesn't matter if the game lasts half an hour less. It wouldn't have mattered. Taking the, take those boss fights out, it doesn't matter if it would have lasted half an hour or less. 
because it still would have been an amazing game. It would have been a better game, in my opinion, without those dragging it down. And I think uh, Rocksteady know it. I think that's, what, that's, a, that's a lesson learned. I think they, they, they're absolutely they will. Because so like, stuff like when you're on the gargoyles hunting, you know, hunting these people and picking them off one by one, it's amazing. You feel like a total badass. You know, this is, it's, in, it's, it's an incredible experience. And it looks beautiful. The game looks fantastic. It's brilliant. Brilliantly, use of Unreal 3. brilliantly acted as well. The acting in it's great. You know, like Hamill's amazing as the Joker. But the other guys are really good. I thought the Riddler was really good as well. Even though you're only yeah, hearing it. Yeah, Riddler was good. And, and good use of the Riddler And of course well. the Scarecrow sections are uh, absolutely amazing. As good as, you know, as there's a lot of hype around them, but they are brilliant. But it's just a boss fight. So I, I hate that. I literally hate that electric floor thing more than I've hated any bit of any game for a long, long time. And I thought the Bane boss fight was weak as well. And that's but, why it's number two in our top five. Yeah. It's uh, number one, Assassins. Assassin's well, I mean, we talk about Rocksteady learning that, okay, maybe the boss fights aren't that great. And if they do get a sequel, which we really hope they do, that I'm sure that's something that will be fixed. Well, Carl, Ubisoft Montreal, talk about a team who've uh, learned from... Uh, past mistakes mm. as I said anything when, when I um, reviewed it anything that people didn't like in the first game they absolutely cannot say the same thing about the second there might be things in Assassin's 2 you don't like but they won't be the same things you didn't like about the first game yeah what a game yeah it's, they, they took every piece of feedback on board and you can see there's more than two years worth of work in Assassin's Creed 2 I don't know how they've done it, it there's, I'm really there's, not sure. I mean, there's by far more than two years worth of work I mean the only thing that, that can be the case is that all of the things they've done in Assassin's Creed 2 were supposed to be in Assassin's Creed 1, but they had a game to ship. Yeah. They had to get it out. Well, the money system was originally supposed course, to be yeah. in Assassin's Creed 1. Um, and that works great. There's some great stuff you can do with the money. Like, what the, what the fun... The one, it's if, you're, if you're sitting at home with Assassin's Creed listeners, and you're thinking, oh, man, I need something fun to do. Here's what you do. You find a guy with a gigantic axe or a pike or something, and you walk up with a poison blade and you stab him. And then you wait for them to start freaking out because they go crazy and start flailing around and swinging yeah. their axe or their big pike everywhere. And you throw money at his feet and everyone crowds in into this big like, washing machine of death where this guy is whirling around, knocking people left and right. There's people getting maimed, people getting hacked up, dead bodies everywhere. It's good fun. That's what I like to do. One thing in the game and in real life that I find surprising <laughs> about assassins is that one area where they maybe haven't learn is well they have to a certain degree but in assassins there was whenever you did a one of the six side missions or rather the investigation missions you would gain a piece of information that would help you assassinate your target Mm. but it was tucked away in a couple of menus so you'd have to go in then you have to go in a sub menu and then you'd find oh there's a map showing where the guard positions are so and a, a path drawn through it so it will tell you how to get through to your escape route now, Assassin's 2 does a much better job of tutoring you through the game, but there are still a lot of elements that people don't know about. Like, Hidden I only said menus, to you, yeah. Mike, last week about uh, going to the, the people in front of the, the villa and learning moves, like spending money yeah, to I learn, no idea. learn some moves. And you're like, I didn't even know you could train and well, get means, moves. They, they say, it says, oh, if you want to practice your skills, go chat to this guy. I was like, I don't need to practice my skills. I'm a badass. I'm, I'm rock hard. I don't need to. I'm good. I'll see you later, guys. And I shot off, but apparently I could have learned like a bunch of really useful moves, yeah. which would have given me and, like achievements and stuff. And uh, so, like the the grab the pike and you can sweep people and mm. get ten gaming points for it. Mm. 
Why I can't go back and play mission critical, like story critical missions later in the game, I have no idea. That's an interesting one because when I went over to to Montreal for our, for our cover feature, that was a feature they were really proud of. Um, they were saying, well, in the first game, people wanted to replay the game, but they could <coughs> could only replay it on a sequence by sequence basis, and there were seven. I think there were seven in the game, so they could only do it that way. In Assassins 2, they said every single mission, so each um, marker on that DNA strand. You can replay it. Some for some reason we don't know why, but for some reason that feature was pulled in the final month. You can still see it for the secret locations. You can replay side missions included mm-hmm. in secret locations, but not the story critical missions. But none of the story ones, and that was a feature they were really pleased about. So goodness knows why it doesn't, why it's not in the final game. When, I don't know. Have to do a memory, would it? Ma- have to do a memory? Maybe, maybe it's because such a huge game. Well, when you replay an interesting thing, when you replay your store, uh, your side missions, your Ezio is the Ezio who you well, if you do it when the game's complete, the game complete Ezio, so the guy Ezio. with the beard yeah. and the the deeper voice, and you replay the old missions as that guy. So maybe it was a problem with that. I don't. Know, it seems just like that mess with continuity or anything. You know, you just didn't want. It's literally they just they just were so precious about their game they didn't want to be like oh you don't want you don't want to mess with the continuity by putting the old guy in the young guy's shoes and so on maybe and that would be a disappointment if so I mean look at uh, Gaytona you can replay any mission in that game first GTA where you can do that yeah that's that's a brilliant feature it really is a gr- a great feature and something I would have loved to have seen in Assassin's Creed two because. I want more from that game. Mm. I've finished it, and I want more. You want to do the fly mission again, so you can get your achievement. Yeah, which I missed, missed out on because I, apparently I did it too good. I didn't duck down to head height at all. And yeah, you didn't swipe someone didn't off swipe the roof. Didn't swipe anyone. Well, so I would like to replay that mission, and I'd like to replay other missions as well with the tools you get at the end of the game. Yeah. I mean, that would be cool, going into like these early missions with all your gear. Imagine yeah, going that, into that's... the first secret location and uh, using your gun. So the guy's like, oh no, we're going to run away. It's like, no, you're not, jackass. No, you're not. Bang. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's one of the best bits of, of games is when you can go back and play levels with to completely tooled up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Bayonetta's great for that, by the way. Because when you finish Bayonetta, you'll, you'll have enough points to unlock some stuff, but not enough. So you'll play it again, and then you'll get some more. And you can keep on playing, and every single time you do, those early stages get easier and easier. And then you're finally going in there with your gun chucks, and you're... you're, you're power up which means it goes into witch time every single time someone takes a hit swing at you you're just ripping through entire like legions of these guys <laughs> on the hardest settings brilliant well, that's a great game which we'll probably be making next year's list yeah. if of course we haven't all forgotten about it it's really easy to forget what's come out in there yeah I'm surprised oh no Street Fighter was in it it was 5th wasn't yeah. it and that came out in Feb so yeah and of course um, Batman came out in August so. yeah and Resident Evil 5 was like really early on most of these games are from the latter end of the year yeah virtually all of them so, um, what uh, what are we getting for Christmas then? What what are you what are you guys getting? For I'm hoping to get uh, Uncharted too. Yeah, yeah. So I'm hoping Santa will bring me in my stocking. Funny enough, I, I on on the back of my sheet of paper, I made a a, a letter, a to little Santa. note, a letter to Santa, my wishes. No, I made a note saying like, if we were a multi-format mag, what our list might include, and that was about the only game I could think of. Uncharted two, Killzone won't make it. Um, it's not good enough. Nowhere near good enough. Uncharted 2 would definitely be on that top five, I think, though. Yeah. Little King Story be up there. I don't think it'll be in the top five games of the year. No. Top it's 10, good game. maybe. I think Little yeah, King Story would make top a good 10. Game. Real good game. Um, but yeah, Uncharted 2, fantastic. Some Everybody keeps telling me how brilliant it is. I know how brilliant it is, but I've been deliberately putting it off so I had a game play on Christmas Day because there's nothing quite like unwrapping a game on Christmas Absolutely Day. Absolutely not, yeah. 
That is, you wake up in the morning, you're like, man, my Christmas Day and Boxing Day is completely sorted. I, I, I had the pleasure of playing Uncharted 2 with my fiance. I said to her, this game would be a perfect Christmas game. Like, it's just got the magic, you know. Yeah. You, you don't want to open your presents on Christmas Day and have Madagascar carts no. and have that to play. That's not a Christmas no, game. That's, that's a Christmas you'll forget. I'd rather a lump of coal. At least it would heat the house. But, um,. Yeah, Uncharted 2, good Christmas game. It is a good Christmas game. Well, I'm hoping it delivers uh, on the on the Christmas fun that you're promising me, because uh, if I don't get it, I'm going to go mad with a hatchet. <laughs> I'm going to uh, kill you. Yeah. Um, it's my, um, my girlfriend works in a game, and she says I've been selling loads of consoles. And that just got me thinking what I said a minute ago, like, there ain't nothing better than getting a console on Christmas Day. Imagine that. You yeah. come down Christmas morning and under the tree, or in the, you know, there's this giant box, and you're like, oh, man... What is it? And you open it up and it's like, oh! and it's like a snares or yeah. a, a it's Mega Drive for me was my first one. That was amazing. See, and I, and that got me thinking. Like, I've never received a console or a computer for Christmas, really, ever, or for my birthday. I got my snares uh, six days after my birthday because I think it came out on June the fifth or sixth uh, with Star Fox, and I got the Star Fox bundle. I got my Spectrum, which I had before that, as a gift before. Christmas and my 128k spec from both gifts before Christmas were like, okay, you can have the machine now, but you'll get the games later, you know. Um, my place, my PlayStation, I bought myself. My N64, yeah. I bought myself. I've never received a console for Christmas, and I'm, I feel like I'm missing out. That'd be a good Christmas present. I think I've had. I've got an Amiga. I think I've had three. I think I got my Mega Drive. Oh, game Boys don't count, do they? No, they totally count. Oh, okay. Uh, I think, well, in that case, I've had 70,000 Game Boys. No, I got a Sega Saturn, but it was like in the last year that anything came out for Sega Saturn. So the following year, I was also fortunate enough to get a PlayStation. Yeah, you, you needed the PlayStation at that point. And then, uh, and then after that, I, I got my first job to save up for a PlayStation 2 when I was 14. The and, thing uh, is, uh, and then I've always bought every console. The thing is, uh, listening to you say, um, I'm just playing games on Christmas Day, Boxing Day. Uh, the trouble is, once you have kids, it all changes. So really, Christmas Day, Boxing Day is, you know, like, you, you don't get any real time to yourself. But I bet it's magic seeing your little girl. Not really. I prefer no. if it was me getting okay. presents. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is, it is good. But it's, uh, yeah, you don't really get, a, you know, you don't. Christmas isn't quite the, quite the same in terms of, like, getting, you know, getting loads of presents and stuff. But so how old are your little now, Tim? Three. So she's she knows about Santa Yeah, now, right? she's very excited. She went to see Santa yesterday, actually. Um, yeah? Yeah. She, uh she went and she walked past like this. It was in like our local sort of shopping. I wouldn't even call it a mall. It was like a little shopping. So it, was, it wasn't. Dead zone. It wasn't the real Santa that you get at the at the mall in Bristol. No, it was. It was, it was fake no, Santa. no, it was. It, you know, it was a proper Santa. He was. He was very convincing Santa. Actually, Excellent. yeah. Was he? Um, was he an old fellow? Yeah, Good. yeah. And he was very nice to her and stuff. And uh, she walked past and she looked in and she saw him and like her eyes lit up. And I said, oh, look, wave to Father Christmas. Because he didn't have any, any prices about how much it was to send her in, send her in there. So I assumed that, uh, you know, I, I didn't know how expensive it was. So I wanted to find out before I, I went there. And he said, yeah, that's £20, please. So, so I said, wave to Santa. And she was waving to him. And she was, you know, really sort of starstruck by him and waving to him. And I said to him, how much is it? And he said, oh, don't worry. So he did it for free. Oh, so that was quite nice. Good old so, Santa. Yeah, oh, so she lovely. went in and she was very... She said she told him she wanted a baby for Christmas, and uh, then he gave her a little present and a Aww. little chocolate and stuff. And that was nice. And then later on, we were in the same store as looking at some other presents for my my family and stuff. And uh, she said, "Daddy, I want to go see Christmas again. I want to go see Christmas." 
So I had to take it down this to say you know hello to Christmas again, oh. and he was standing outside the the the. I've got a fag. That's right, injecting heroin. No, he was. Uh, <laughs> That's the Trowbridge one. Yeah. we haven't got Santa. We've got bad Santa. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and he said, "Oh, hello again to her." And then she ran off, and she was all scared and stuff. Not scared, but you know, like sort of shy. Yeah. Oh, that's. But yeah, it was good. It was it was it was funny, and he was a good. I must say, he was a good Santa. He was very very nice, you know. And you got to be giving us some good stuff for Christmas, right? Yeah, well, she wants. Looking I was saying to Pallet this morning, she wants a, a baby born, which is like a advanced baby that uh, that uh, makes noises and does stuff. And, itself. Um, yeah, it literally does. If you fill it, fill it with food, it'll do a little little whoopsie in its uh, nappy. Really? Yeah. yeah. But we're not going to fill it with anything because that's plainly disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but you can make it wee as well by filling it with water. That's okay. Wee yeah. you can handle. Yeah. She's pretty excited about that, to be honest. She's pretty excited about changing the baby's nappy. So so we'll probably do that. And then um, and then once she's uh, we've ferried her off with her gifts, and it's all about me. So no, that's, that's a better Christmas morning than Pallet or I are going to have. Yeah. You're going to get a game for Christmas? No, I doubt it. Not even God of War collection? I've already uh, put in my... Pre- uh, in my no, import you should, order you from do, Video you Games should, Plus. You should, you should save yourself a uh, Video Games Plus, by the way. We, uh, we like Video Games yeah, Plus. Yeah, I've, I've imported God of War collection and uh, Demon's Souls. Yeah, you should save one for Christmas Day. Treat yourself. That's, that's, that's what I normally... If I'm, if I'm not being bought a game, I always save myself a game. And, you know, we'll be having fun with our stuff, but that, Tim's Christmas, is the real Christmas right there. Yeah, that's, no, a, that's a Christmas of giving. It is the Christmas of giving. I'm not receiving. I'm not receiving. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm having Christmas oh. with, my, with my old man this year. Yeah. Taking my girlfriend down... There, so it'll be your first Christmas with our with family. family. Do you uh, spend last Christmas at her family? Yeah, yeah, and she's not listening to this, so I can I can talk about it. It was okay. It was okay. I I gotta say I didn't dig Christmas in London. It was a, I just I, I kind of like I kind of like being at home. Their Christmas was just different to ours. Our Christmas is a very working class Christmas. I like it. I like it kind of big time garish and stuff. You know, I like mm. it. I like I like billions of lights, all in yeah. different colours and loads of shiny dangly things from the ceiling. Right. They do a classy Christmas. It's a good Christmas, just a different Christmas. Yeah. It's, it's not my Christmas. So this year we're doing my Christmas, and it's going to be it's going to be a strong. This Christmas. is my last Christmas as a free man. Oh yeah, of course you'll be married next year. I will. Her, her last Christmas and divorced is an by hour. Christmas. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. You'll be a single man again next Christmas. Cheers, cheers. No, guys. but um, I'm I, I'm with you, Mike. I know we've talked about this before, but uh, I like I like all the the. Uh, over the top stuff, not yeah. not so over the top that people think you're like some sort of mental case. Oh yeah, you don't want to be like you don't want to be. You don't want to be the guy with the no, that's right. <laughs> the guy with the big inflatable snowman in in the front garden. That's right. And but also, we we put out I put up our tree last night because uh, my wife and I are away next weekend. We're going away for the first time and leaving our little lady with the uh, with the grandparents next weekend. So we put it up yeah. this weekend, and uh, it was it was good fun. Apart from when she pulled down the Christmas tree. Um, but apart from that, it was fairly all right. But it was we. I've got to say, our Christmas tree looks absolutely fantastic this year. We went for silver and blue. The tree? Yeah, no, no, no. The tree's green. Okay. But we we went for silk. We went for silver and blue ball balls, balls or whatever they're called. Okay, so you've themed it and and blue lights. And I got to say, it looks absolutely nice. great this year. Um, but then we then I put all the icicles up around the house and outside. We around the front of the house and stuff, and I, I, I got to say, it looks good. Do you go for the old artificial trees? Yeah, we, yeah. we I go for a real tree. Yeah, we, yeah. we, we used to go for a real tree, but we we find an artificial one that is absolutely fantastic. You pay a little bit more, but it looks really good. It's all about the smell, though, isn't it? You it wake up, you wake, up on, you wake up on Christmas morning and you walk downstairs and you have got that Christmas tree smell. 
that's some good shit. But when I was a little boy, I remember my uh, my grand brought, brought a new puppy around at Christmas. Tim, uh, he's still my favourite dog ever. I love that dog. He was, Tim he was, the dog. It's not a good he, name. It's a good dog. It's a good name for a dog, Tim. Uh, and he's a little Jack Russell, and he's uh, he was lovely, and, and I get emotional when I think about him because he was he was a he was a lovely little thing. He's been dead for a long time now, but yeah, he weed on a tree. Uh, oh Obviously, no! He's only a puppy. He came in. He was like, <laughs> oh Tim. He was like, man, that's a good tree. He was like, I want a piece of that, and he and he took a piss on it. <laughs> oh Tim. Yeah. So, uh, a top five Christmas films. Uh, number one, Christmas Vacation. Yeah, you. I should just say, you guys rock seven. Want to know what our favorite Christmas movie is? Oh, okay. So there is a reason for that. Uh, well, um, this Christmas, because my girlfriend, it's got to be, it's got to be films that are set at Christmas. Yeah, because my girlfriend is like, got this is one of the most poorly watched people I've ever seen. She she hasn't seen any good films. It's like like Hoodie in the Office. Yeah, Hoodie has literally seen no films. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty bad with some genres. You guys will be always like. Yeah, can't but Matt's kind of the same. But, but I have really... seen a few. I've seen a few films. A few, yeah. One but or two. Hoodie, just... literally one or two. Yeah. Well, Danielle is kind of um, she's seen. Well, I've been gradually like making her watch things she wouldn't otherwise watch. Like I wanted to watch uh, Mad Max Two: Road Warrior last night. Oh, yeah, that's a good film. That's a good good Christmas film. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we, uh, <laughs> yeah. We, uh, Get she, the Christmas spirit. She uh, we watched that, and uh, yeah, she really liked it. She was she, 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 it was, she was it was great, and I'm making her watch like Running Man and. No, a predator, Stephen commando, running man—the good, the good stuff, yeah. you know. And for Christmas, I'm gonna, gonna give her a, a you know, a. Oh God, I was a gonna co- say I'm gonna give her a Christmas gift, a double helping. I was gonna say a double helping, but then I was like, if I said that, would these guys <laughs> say something? Really nah, funny? we're we're well behaved, yeah, Mike. Yeah, no, Don't need so to worry I'm gonna about dish that. up a, a, a two scoops of Christmas fun with Die Hard one and two. Yeah, Hoodie's never seen Die Hard. No. This is interesting, Mike, because uh, we, uh, me and Mrs. Weaver, rewatched the entire Die Hard trilogy. I don't care the fourth film, uh, and the uh, the other day. You're right, not to. Die Hard one, amazing, mm-hmm. still holds up totally today. Brilliant in every single respect. Die Hard two, nowhere near as good as I remembered it being. Some great bits, but but not, not nearly as bad as it's made out to be, though. No, a lot, no, no. A lot of people not, talk about it as if it's like awful. But. It's not a bad film at all, but it's not. I remembered it being amazing. Uh, see, I don't remember it being bad. I remember yeah. it being amazing, and it wasn't amazing. Die Hard 3, same story. I remembered it being amazing, and it wasn't amazing, I didn't think. Jeremy Irons is absolutely awful <coughs> in Die Hard 3, by the way. I know it's not set at Christmas, but it's, he's awful in that. But Die Hard 1, one, definitely one of my top five all-time... In fact, it might be the best Christmas film ever it's made. It's my favourite, without a doubt. Die my Hard. other ones would be Christmas, Christmas Vacation. Vacation, which I watched again on the weekend. Which is uh, just... Gut wrenchingly hilarious. It's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. It's got we're we're, we're going to watch it on Christmas evening, on the night of Christmas yeah, Day. Yeah, amazing gags in it. It's a great slapstick humour. Chase, that is Chet. Squirrel, the in, squirrel in the tree. Brilliant. R- Randy, when Randy Quaid turns up as well, yeah. that is brilliant. He is, that is a great cameo. So, anyway, that, and then I'd go and whack uh, Scrooged. Oh, Scrooge, yes. That is a great movie. Yeah. Oh, Pellet. You, you don't see Scrooge with Bill Murray. No, yeah. oh, you, that's a winning film if you saw Scrooge. Great. Someone on the forum, it might be been you guys, said about Scrooge. He no, said that was me. his favourite. Yeah, yeah it's Scrooge a great, is a great, 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 great Christmas movie. Uh, Gremlins. I always forget Gremlins is a Christmas movie. Yeah, yeah. good, good Christmas movie. I think movie. you've only seen Gremlins 2, you know. Gremlins 2 is okay. It's not a bad film. It's Die Hard with Gremlins, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Basically, yeah. <laughs> it really is. Um, I'm trying to think of a, fourth, a fifth one. I, I'm, try, I'm struggling. There's plenty of like amusing films. Like Bad Santa was a funny film. Yeah, that was that was not and bad. And 
everyone's sitting there going, it's a wonderful life, it's a wonderful life. Good film. That's, but, that's in my top five. Absolutely. But it's not in my top five. I would be more inclined to put something like Miracle on 34th Street in. If you're going for yeah. Christmas cheese, it's all about Miracle on 34th My top five Street. has two, which is It's a Wonderful Life and uh, Die Hard. Other than that, I'm not really sure what else. I don't know, I haven't seen watching. any films. No, yeah. I've never seen two films. I've <laughs> those seen. are the few, the two films. Oh, Home Alone would be in there. Oh, That's definitely. I, I watched it on the weekend there. Home Alone would be top six for sure. Pesci's good in that. He is good. Yeah. And Stern. Stern's all right Stern's too. good, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that is a good Christmas film. Planes, Trains and Automobiles. Now oh, that that's a Christmas is film a good too. Christmas yeah, film. Yeah. No, I see. I don't like that film. Oh, really? It's one of those eighties comedies. It's based on frustration, a bit like um, Clockwise. Yeah, you know, it's, a, it's the Christmas Trains and Automobiles is actually a very British movie in that it's about people failing. Like if you look at American comedy, American comedy is usually about success mm. or usually about overcoming odds. Uh, it's the difference between, for example, Friends and like. I don't know, Two Pints of Lager. Two Pints of Lager and a Pack of Chris is a terrible, terrible show. But mostly it's about people who are just losers. Yeah. Whereas Friends are about people who are big winners, you know? It's the same with movies. Typically, the movie, they're comedy movies tend to be about winners rather than losers. It's this, again, like, think about, I don't know, Van Wilder or... I mean, American Pie is about a bunch of losers, but at the end, they all win, right? In British movies, it's just lose, lose, yeah. lose, lose. And, the, and um, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles is like that. It's a guy who gets his life ruined minute by minute by minute. And there's a lot of those films in the 80s. Remember that Philofax movie? No. With, um, with uh, oh God, the guy from Red Heat who's not Arnold Schwarzenegger. James Belushi. James Belushi, yeah, he's in it. It's where he steals a guy's Philofax and basically steals his entire life. He's like a criminal who's trying to get to a baseball game he has to see. I don't, I don't remember that, no. There's lots of movies from the 80s where it's just like, lose, 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 and Planes, Trains, Not My Most for, isn't very Christmassy for me because it's about... <gasps> Groundhog Day. That's I thought that, but that's movie. not Christmas. Is that a Christmas? It's a winter movie. No, no. Groundhog Day's in February. Oh, is it? No, no I, I, that did cross my mind. Or well, possibly like, March or January. I, I thought it was, it's got a lot of snow in it, though. No, the, the no clue it's, is... It's the pre-spring been... movie, because it's like... It's oh, like, right. it's, if a Groundhog oh, sees a shadow, right. yeah, yeah. Right, it's going to yeah. be a miserable spring. Sorry, I interrupted you on Plain Strains and Automobiles. That's right, but you like Plain Strains and Automobiles, right? I do I do like it. I don't think it's as funny as everyone makes out. It's got a couple of great bits in it. Um... But I can't say I'm a massive Steve Martin fan, which I think might be one of the. Uh, a lot of people think he's like God, don't they? Yeah, so one, of the, um, one of the one of the sort of drawbacks with it is that I don't find Steve Martin particularly funny. Whereas, like Chevy Chase, as you well know, I only have to look at him and I'm I'm already giggling. <laughs> you know, like Christmas Vacation on the weekend, I was I was sat there because I've seen it for years and I've forgotten a lot of the stuff. You know, like. You know him falling through his ceiling and all that sort of stuff. You know, for me that is that's perfect. It's not overly Christmassy. Well, it's not Christmassy, but I say something like big or you need a good like heartwarming Tom Hanks film. But it's big it's Christmassy. No, I'm saying it's not no. very. But it's it's kind of got the the spirit. Yeah. I'm sure there's a bit of right. it that's Christmassy. I'm gonna have to remember some of these shows, films, because I'm gonna have to download. Um, I mean, buy. <laughs> Uh, oh, spend, go to the shop and download them and, from iTunes and buy them uh, on Blu-ray in high definition because I only watch films in high definition, not uh, not uh, any other, other, other format because I'm a snob these days. So yeah, that's some good. Can Christmas you believe movie. the Running Man isn't available in HD? By the way, really? it's not out until February in HD. I had no. to watch a standard def version. It was disgusting. I felt like I was looking through a like a haze. Good film, Running Man. Better Schwarzenegger than is is terrible in that. Tell you what's a terrible Christmas film, Jingle All The Way. Oh, yeah. Oh, man, alive. With the big show in it. It's the big show, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't Goldberg in it as well? He's in, sure. Goldberg's in, in another movie, in another Christmas really? movie, where he plays a, a gigantic Santa. Tell you what else is, is rubbish is the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. Oh, there are no good modern Christmas movies. Elf? 
That's not bad. I don't really dig it. I oh, really? Elf's all right. Like, I, don't think, I don't think they do good Christmas movies these days. What's that um, That film with um, Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon? Oh, yeah. Um, t- t- six Christmases or something. Yeah, Eight f- Christmases yeah, or something. Four Christmases four or something. Christmas. I don't know. We, and there's that one with Di- Di- Diaz Di- and um, oh, Jack the ho- Black. The holiday. And, That's terrible. Yeah. That's absolutely awful. See, Christmas movies these days... I'd literally just kill myself before I haven't watched that. You'd literally kill yourself? Yeah, I, I literally would. Take your own life? Yeah, I would. All right. It's if just... someone said, can you watch a holiday now, Tim? I'd say, I'm going to go and kill myself now. See, I wouldn't. I would say, I see your point, but let's try Die Hard. And then we, we would watch Die Hard. Yeah. Because I'd be the one in charge of the remote control. Because on Christmas Day, <laughs> you don't let anyone else have the remote control, right? No. no. That's just stupid. Just don't do it. You spending it with family? Uh, just uh, me and the missus. Oh, you spending it in, in the Drawbridge? Rats. Oh, yeah. God. Oh, man. Oh. And the rats. Rats and Christmas. Christmas. Their first the thing Christmas. Is, there's no public transport either uh, during Christmas Day or Boxing Day, so how the hell are you going to get out of Trowbridge? Don't need to. You don't need We've to, car, Mike, because Trowbridge is so nice. Oh, no, wait a minute. Trowbridge is a total... <laughs> we're, uh, <laughs> we're giving the rats some Christmas dinner as well. They're what? having their own little bowl of Christmas dinner It's each. probably going to be like when you give dogs uh, chocolate and they get the sugar shits. <laughs> Rats would love it. They'll love it. You're going to give them some potatoes and it's going to be a liquid stream of potatoes. No, 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 no. Rats, rats eat human food. Eat human flesh, all right? <laughs> and, and flesh. Disgusting creatures. They're going, to be wee- they're going to be weeing all over your bed there, so it'll be so excited about Christmas. <laughs> Not that they haven't already. Is it going to be hard to put Erin down for the night, do you reckon, on Christmas Eve? Yeah, well, no, she'll be all right, I reckon. You're going to put out a biscuit for Santa, a mince pie for Santa? Well, last, last year we put out... Um, what was it we put out last year? It was stuff that Chalet and I wanted to eat. <laughs> it was a um, bottle of vodka. And yeah. some, it was like, oh, Santa chocolate. loves beer. <laughs> this day. Oh, man. Boy, does Santa love a chicken baguette. But, but yeah, but Christmas Eve will probably be all right. Um, but, uh, do you do the whole thing with a stocking on a door? Like my parents used to have like a, a big yeah, stocking stock on the door. We've yeah. got, stocking uh, we got door. stockings on our fireplace. Right. right. So, um, so Christmas Day will probably... Christmas Day evening will probably be a pain so we're going around to, to my family so um, she'll be sleeping around her grandparents so she'll be all like <laughs> you know so that'll be more difficult but she should be alright she should be alright but it's, I'm, I'm looking forward to it this year it should be fun it's the, it's the first year where she's really got Christmas so yeah, she understands quite, why it is now yeah, she's she understands pretty, the implications of the massive material rewards that come from right, to Santa yeah. she's pretty excited about it also yeah and um, this year you know all my family's going to be there whereas so my sister and um, and um, um a partner are going to be there and stuff so it's going to be good yeah I'm looking forward to Christmas this year I like a big Christmas so I'm going to probably tell you what's good on Christmas day taking a little stroll to the park and yeah. seeing the new Christmas puppies see I, I'm allergic to dogs and I love dogs but I'm allergic to them and I, I will never be able to have one until they come up with um, some injection and I've said this before but if they come up with an injection that's like 11 inches long and has to go in through the eye of my penis and it will cure my allergies in like like Ten minutes later, I'm doing it. I don't care. I will take that discomfort because I want to have a dog one day. Um, love the animals. But on Christmas Day, you get to go into the park. Everyone's walking their dogs that they own already. They're going for a walk with their families, you know. And, you know, walking the dogs. And Pellet's sitting there thinking, and then, of course, you can just spy on them. Just uh, hide behind a tree and just, like, follow them around. Stroking the I'm, rats. I'm not, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is it's, like, it's good to see like, other people on Christmas Day. Because yeah. on Christmas Day, people will say, hey, hello, how are you doing? Merry Christmas. Yeah. That's a strange thing, man. When you walk when you walk around and people are saying, Oh, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. That's why again why I like working Christmas week. Try Trowbridge Park, Mike. 
Yeah, it's just, the, the, whole, the whole guy shooting up his Christmas gag. That's right. The whole dog <laughs> thing is a bit different than Trowbridge. Dog gig is more, uh, more the thing. <laughs> I, see, I quite like working. But you guys are all doing a little uh, shoot off on Christmas week, aren't you? Well, I'm, I'm not. Like, I'm not coming in Christmas Eve. I'll probably come in the, the, the couple of days before because I got got to tie stuff up. But I never work Christmas Eve. That's a Weaver policy. Yeah. See, I quite like. I mean, I did customer service for years and. It ain't, ain't bad. It's super busy, of course, if you're working customer service at Christmas. But it's quite good because everyone's got a Christmas spirit going on. No, it's it's good if you were when I worked at Smiths. It was great fun. When it, I worked at um, uh, Garden Centre, it was great, especially when uh, people would put you and you would put people through the Christmas tree netting machine. That was always put fun. People through the netting machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds brilliant. I never <laughs> yeah. even thought of that. Uh, we it was quite a big garden centre. We there used to be barriers everywhere and a big car park outside. So. Like every week, we'd put someone in the netting machine and wheel them out to the farthest point in the car park and leave them there. That, that <laughs> it is was great. That's incredible. That's the greatest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it was really good fun. Um, but working at PC World at Christmas is a nightmare because Boxing Day is the busiest day in the week. And no, no, no. Sales. Yeah, because right. Blimmin' uh, Dixon's used to run like oh, 199. Because oh, it's Dixon's store group, PC World and Curry's. And uh, they used to run. It was it was the the year a few years back when they were doing like one nine nine PCs. Mm. So um, I think we opened like eight maybe Christmas uh, on Boxing Day or something like that. But whenever we opened, it was about two and a half hours before that people started turning up and queuing. And um, when it comes to the doors opening, it is some scary like, stuff because. Yeah. Smith's is great because you can go out and give your opinion. Not, you know, I honestly like this, I don't like this. Um, just go on the tills. Whereas in PC World, okay, yeah, you're still honest, but you, you have to obviously sell things as well. Yeah. And you've got to be a salesman rather than Right, well, uh, I think we might have had a small technical hitch there. Yeah, um, sorry about that. We were we kept on talking for a good ten minutes, and then we found out we wasn't recording anymore. Yeah. Unfortunately, it was all my funny gags. Yeah, it was. It was. I think it was actually quite funny for once. Yeah, but um, some really I think for the, I think for the purposes of um, continuing the the assumption that Pallet's never funny, it's probably best that we lost that anyway. Yeah, there was a story Matt told about a Christmas tree. We can't remember if that's been kept or not. No, I, I can't be bothered to listen back to see if it is there or not. So I'm going to tell it again. Yeah. Or very, well. And if, you, if you've heard it already, skip this part or just laugh along. And then... It was just back in the day when I used to work in the garden centre, we had a, uh, a, a Christmas tree netting machine yeah. that we used to feed people through. And then uh, yeah, it was quite a large... While we were off air, so to speak, you explained that you would feed them through against their will. Oh, yeah, more right. often than not, it would be again. There'd be like six or seven of us. And we'd like, grab someone you know, by their legs and arms and, and push them through. Yeah. And then we'd put them in, in a wheelbarrow. And then wheel them out to the far end of the car park. Was, this, was the net quite snug? Was it quite tight on them? Uh, it could be. I mean, it was... But in any case, you're not getting access to a tangly net, right? No, the only way out is if, to cut your way out. Right. You couldn't pull it. It's like one of those nets where if you try and pull it open, it would dig into your fingers and like you'd be slicing off your fingers before you pulled the net and you, open. And you admitted that um, you, you molested a few women while putting them through there? No. I'm sure he did while we were off air. I'm pretty sh- <laughs> sure he said that, Mike. Yeah. Some women did go through it. Right, um, let's have some questions then, Pat. I was, I was going to tell my brilliant uh, story. In a similar thing, this is, this is, mine's a non-seasonal story. This is good any time of the year. When I worked at the movie theatre, which I won't name... Were you pissed we in had, the popcorn? No, we didn't piss in the popcorn. That would be disgusting. What we did do was... Anyone who's ever worked at the cinema will know about standees. These big wooden... No, not wooden, sorry. Big cardboard yeah. structures. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, they're great. I mean, they, they, they promote the films. We, we used to have them at Smith's occasionally, and there was a giant Lilo and Stitch one 
that uh that Lilo. i always took home because I, I love lilo and stitch Lilo and, and stitch. uh I was driving home and I suddenly realised I pulled up in the petrol station. And I had a massive Lilo and Stitch sitting Lilo, in my Lilo, Lilo, Lilo sitting in my uh, Lilo, sitting in the back of my car, and people were looking at me really weird. I, I don't know what Lilo and Stitch is. That's still Lilo and Stitch, though. Oh yeah, that was good. Yeah, yeah that's, I like the, that one, that's yeah. all right. Yeah. Um, so we would, I would build these studies because on the day shift, so normally it would fall to me. I'd build these things. And then the film would come and go, and over a few a period of months, it would get a bit weathered and stuff. But you don't have to you have to scrap it and just break it down. Mm-hmm. Now, what you could do is you could take it apart, get the older, get like a hacksaw edge and just like slice it, or just uh, just rip the. I mean, you could have, you can rip your way through these things. They're not hard to rip your way through. Some of them are ridiculously sturdy and ridiculously strong, but you generally get through them pretty quick. Or you could take let a few of them build up, stack them on top of one another. Climb on top of the uh, the the when the gantry near the the rear signage and jump onto them like a stuntman. Brilliant. Which is what we would do. Which is just brilliant. It's like because you know we 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 used to watch a bit of wrestling. We were like, yes, just jump onto it. It's great. And you'd smash through it, and then you'd get up and be, oh, that was, that was fun. Or if um you'd get the small guy, the smallest guy there, and have the biggest guy lift him up and just throw him through <laughs> him, which is great. And there was one time my mate Dwayne, who's a whole king man, beast of a man. He's huge. Um. Set up a standee. Again, in, we only have one standee, but he was like, oh, I'm going to jump it. I was like, okay. And it I was... Put a, bottles underneath. It was a flat board <laughs> standee, just a flat piece of card with two support straps at the rear. It's a common shape, which comes up quite a lot. When the standee manufacturers don't feel like doing a custom standee, they do this, this very basic thing. It's basically a big standing poster. But it's quite thick, quite sturdy. There's a seam in the middle where you fold it to put it in the box. And he put it against the wall at an angle, the way you would if you are in professional wrestling. You set up a table, a table in the corner yeah. of the ring. And he decided to jump through it, flip, and just flat back it. <laughs> so, but it goes sideways, you know? So you, he's, got, he's like diving. Imagine you're running forward and you're twisting and you're going shoulder first yeah. all the way over. So your feet go above your head, you yeah. crash through, breaks your fall comfortably, and you have a good old time and everyone laughs. So he runs it. <laughs> and I'm like, you know what, Dwayne, you're a big guy. That's a, that's a, a big man to be hitting that thing. He, he jumped. <laughs> Hit the, the seam flawlessly, went straight through, punched straight through, <laughs> and to, to the point that he went like, through like a cat flap, went through, and the whole thing closed around him. He went, boom! And all I heard was him land on the other side, and all the air rushed out of his body. He went, boom! And he's, he was like, he, and, 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 and he's like, well, you just, he just vanished. You couldn't see him, and you heard, oh. <laughs> 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 he just vanished through the standing, and he, he lifted it aside. Lived to the side, and he's just lying there in the in like fetal position, going. <laughs> <laughs> See, hoist by your own petard now. Yeah. Lucky he didn't climb off to climb up to the top of the thing and jump onto it. Because that was a good, that was a good twenty-five foot drop. Yeah. Good times you can have when you're working in customer yeah. service. There are no bounds. The we, only limit is your creativity. We we used to have good ladder matches around all the compost in the garden. Used to center. set up ladder and just like crash onto the yeah. compost. And uh, my mate, my best man, how I feel, he. Uh, when he used to work, he at, to when he he used to work at Iceland, to say, he, used to, he used to stack stuff up and then run and drop kick it. Just, yeah, Iceland. Just, yeah, Iceland. You named, you named the pickling company he was, he was wrecking their produce. Maybe. And you named him. Sure. <laughs> named and shamed. Yeah. Right, let's have some questions. Uh, Evil Betty. Good name. He was just wondering, he said, he always thought the idea of Army of Two having a button to congratulate or curse was a great idea but it hasn't been stolen by other games. Um, with the impending release of Army of Two 2, he was wondering, what ways will we come up with to congratulate and curse each other? 
I think we, we have that every day in the office when Tim just Cursing hurls part, insults. Yeah. Yes. yeah, there's not, not too much. Right there wouldn't be any congratulating going on. That's not true, Pat. I often congratulate you both on work well done. And how many FIFA wins? What do you mean many FIFA wins? <laughs> I think I think people in the office generally will attest that the matches have been No, they close. have, they have. As I have been congratulating you on recently. In a really smug fashion, by the way. When Pellet beats you, he apologizes for yeah, winning. Yeah, that's and the then when bit. and then when he when you win, he's like, hmm, that's uh, that's close. It's close. Mm. You, you, that was a really good game to him. Really he he doesn't well just done. apologize either. He sits there laughing while apologizing. He's like <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm really sorry. <laughs> like a little monkey. Yeah, that's right. Just um, so yeah, I, I imagine a few a few uh, choice words come out of my mouth. So then. you press a button, and what happens in the game? Then in the Xbox World game, you press a button, what happens when you congratulate someone? I, I, I pat think, them on the back. What? Yeah, Mike, you, you're quite partial to the old bum pat, aren't you? I like the bum pat, but I think I would press a button and just finger their bum hole. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. And that's uh, that's the uh, is that congratulating or is that a uh, cursing? I'm not. That's the official official Xbox World uh, congratulations. Right. Okay. <laughs> I dread to think what the curse is. It's not a finger tip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. For a curse is a fist. <laughs> and on that bombshell, we'll move on. Uh, Evil Volker Man. He's just been looking at Panasonic's 3D TV today. Oh, get that noise. He, he wants to, well, there you go. He wants to know, uh, it made him feel a bit sick. The picture seemed a, <laughs> a, a bit funny and he felt like a twat with the glasses on. Will holographic TVs and all that 3D jazz be around for a long, long time or is it just a fad? We'd be forced to say no, right? Yeah. yeah. Because like, when you look at something like Project Natal, you want to dream that would be like future of video games. Now you think it's only going to be the future of video yeah. games. It's the first definitive step towards holodecks. And 3D TV is another step towards the holodecks, you know? Make no mistake, one day, probably outside of our lifetimes, video games will be yeah. simulated experiences which you just step into. So with Avatar, the film, yeah. is it 3D all the way through? I don't know. Probably. I'm yeah. going to go and see it and I'll let you know. I'll report back. Yeah, surely. Well, it's, it's like, you know, it's like that's, up and so on. Two, two hours of, with the this, with this frigging glasses I remember on. watching Ghosts of the Abyss on IMAX, which is a terrible documentary, by the way, by James Cameron. And, um, yeah, it was a lot with the, uh, the polarised lenses on for that whole time. And they're yeah. not, not friendly for people who wear specs either. No. no. It's I, I felt, in my I, I felt quite ill when I was playing Avatar the game with the 3D effects on yeah. at Gamescom. It might have been because it was an unreleased build. It was just... Yeah, preview no, I and I don't think it's that. I think it's generally that it's just not natural to have that. No, well, 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 there were problems such as like his costume was the same color as the HUD, which meant they were both on the same level, oh, but they were no. different, and my eyes couldn't deal with it. Mm-hmm. One thing you get a lot of with all three D films, though, and I can't illustrate it to our listeners, unfortunately, because this is radio, not TV. But you get a lot of this. Something coming yeah, out. Pointing, yeah, things, pointing, there's things out. coming at the camera and yeah. point, people pointing. And at, at Coraline, when I went to see Coraline 3D, there was like a someone stitching or yeah. needlework, and then needlework went right to, to your eyeballs. Yeah, you're like that's just cheesy. That's just. I, I think James Cameron will be wise enough to use it quite smartly because yeah. the guy is brilliant. Uh, that said, the Avatar is a little bit blue cat people on it yeah i'm a bit worried about it really looking forward to it but as I'm, I'm wary as well mm. but yeah 3d tv i don't know yeah it's probably going to be here to stay but, but not f- it's not going to be adopted as the no. 
the main mode for I quite think, some time. I think the next thing after 3D TVs will be adopted. I think 3D TVs is going to be like a stopgap. In yeah. almost the same way Laserdisc was between VHS and DVD. Nobody really had a Laserdisc player except mm. the crazy enthusiasts. I think 3D TVs is going to be the same. And then like 20, we'll all have HD TVs. And then twenty, it'll probably super HD, which is which is I think it's ultra HD they call it. I don't know. There's a new HD format. Not OLED. No, no. It's, it's a new. It's a whole new HD format, yeah. which will probably be on like wafer thin screens in 2020, like li- literally paper thin mm. screens. And then the next step will be something that's really good in 3D, some like you know full projection or something. I don't know. I'm just spec. I'm randomly speculating now, but I think 3D TV will be to whatever comes next. What Laserdisc was to DVD, it's going to be. It's a transitional thing. It's yeah. not. It's not going to get a foothold. Don't go rushing out buying those Panasonic 3D t- 3D nah. TVs just yet, man. Um, Let's go for final question. Wants to know with the release of Dante's Inferno soon, what other books or poems, I guess you would say, would you like to be made into games? I don't want any poems to be made into games. I could probably name a few books. Metro 2033 is another book that's been made into a game. Yeah, bypassing some of them all together. Yeah, there's been, there's been a few games based on books. How about your book, Tim, which I would make a perfect gift for someone in the new year? <laughs> That's right, yeah, it would, yeah, 25th of February. Chasing the Dead. Yeah, yeah. Chas- Chasing the Dead by Tim Weaver. Yeah, that would be a book. Per- Day's debut book. The one review that Mike and I have heard of is, is really good. Yeah. Gives it four out of five. It's by someone called T. Weaver. <laughs> yeah. On Amazon, yeah. No, I got five out of five, actually. Oh, five, I was <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I must have misread. Yeah, so... Uh, yeah, it's be- best book ever uh, So if, so. if you know someone born in uh, February or March, or if you just want to read a great book, you can uh, pick up Tim Weaver's Chasing the Dead. Yeah. Available at all good bookshops. Yeah, not Borders anymore, though. Borders no. are gone, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a shocker. I was walking up uh, Clifton Triangle in Bristol the other day, and the Borders was closing down. They have a Starbucks yeah. and a game inside there. I don't know what's going to happen to yeah, those two. No, it's, um, I love that Borders there. Yeah. You were talking about it's a good board. It's, it's huge. I mean, great it's store, enormous. But they're having like a fifty percent off sale in there. Yeah, I'm going to make the most of it because uh, we, uh, like I say, uh, buy me lots of copies of your book. Me, yeah, they won't be around by then. No. But uh, me and Mrs. Weaver are going away next weekend, and there's a borders where we're going. So I'm, I'm going in there with extreme prejudice. Is it borders going down as a multinational or just in the UK? I don't know. I, I, I I'm not sure. I, I, we were talking about this on the weekend. I don't know whether it's just just UK stores or whether it's US as well or. It's a shame. I, lo- I love Borders. Yeah, Great Borders, store. Borders is a good shop. Yeah. Good shop. So, um, so yeah, it won't be in there, but uh, oh well. I don't know. So maybe, maybe. Uh, uh, I don't. I don't know. I've was, I was been reading Hyperion lately. That is a good series. Hyperion yeah. Is seriously good. You probably wouldn't dig it because you didn't dig like sort of fancy sci-fi. It's no, very not fancy. my series. It's very really fantastic. Right. But it starts with like I hear it's sort good, of a Canterbury Tales esque tale of a pilgrimage, and it ends with like you know search for God and. A brand new Messiah. It's, 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 it's brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. And I was sitting there thinking, man, this will make the greatest mini series. Not a movie. They've been try- people have been trying to get movies of it made for a long time. But movies are the wrong way to go. It needs to be like an HBO mini series mm. kind of thing. Like you know, this, the, the actual narrative breaks itself up so nicely. It'd be so good. It'd be so so good. It's got that perfect kind of lost esque cliffhanger thing going on. Loads of constantly sowing the seeds of mysteries and so on. People would really dig it. It'd be a hell of a lot better than the new V series, which was awful. And the Prisoner um, miniseries, oh my God, that's absolute piss. Really? Yeah, really, really, really bad. He's, a, he's an interesting writer, old Dan Simmons. He's, he definitely puts his... Uh, he sort of puts his, throws his cap into a lot of, uh, a lot of different rings. His, his latest book is um, a fictional account of yeah. the last days of Charles Dickens. It sounds really fascinating, but... It's He's not a had, very smart guy. It's not had amazing reviews, which uh, a lot have said it's sort of a bit over, 
you know, it's about probably about 200 pages too long. A lot of his... But I liked the idea of it. I thought it was a very interesting he idea. He does some long books, I mean, seriously long books. And um, you get a lot of value when you get stuff, read his stuff. And he, he's he's kind of guy where you're like, man, this dude's researched some stuff. He's yeah, really, he's... he's really... It's like, you know, you're talking about like this Pope in the future and he's like he's, he's going back through all the history of these different Popes right. and how the Pope in the future is... Because, you know, the Pope chooses his own name. He's like, he's choosing the name of a war Pope and stuff like that. And he, it was, he, cause, because this Pope had to make certain decisions and... Like, man, alive! This guy's researched some stuff, and then <laughs> try reading Foucault's Pendulum. Blooming it, talk about a book that's come out of research. Yeah, and it's scary to read. Yeah, what was the name of the one he did where they went to the Antarctic? Uh, Antarctic? Not Ilium, and no, hey, it's not Ilium, is it? No, that's supposed to be very good as well. I haven't read no, it, no. but I've I heard read a pe- that. I've like, heard a few people say it's it's very good. I've started with stuff, and I'm working my way through it now because I enjoy Hyperion so much. The the fourth parts, the um, the the second two parts of the four were a bit were were a little bit space messiah to be honest, but the uh, the first two were really good, mm. really really good. There's a bigger uh, big old Stephen King fan. I think some of his books would be greatest settings. I'm not saying the book itself would be good. You got you've got that game being made, haven't you, Alan? Mike? Alan Wake, um, Dark Tower. I'd love the Dark Tower world. That concept to uh, make it into a game and or miniseries, film series. It could be like the new Lord of the Rings. You could definitely um, get mileage out of. Out of that that concept for games, where for those of you who don't know, I think I've said before, Dark Tower is kind of set in the future, um, but it's like Wild West. Mm-hmm. It's in a world beyond where we are now, um, and there are doors throughout the world that lead to other worlds, which turn out to be the books that Stephen King has written. They're Very all clever. they're all linked. And That's you, some high concept stuff. Yeah, and you yeah. can get some real good mind. It, it, it could almost be like, but much better than Matt Hazard, where every level is a different game that's being you know, parodied. Mm. You can be like the, you know, the opportunity to just do whatever you want in that kind of world would be. It's would interesting be with King though that he, he's he's a real, not so much lately, but he's generally a bit of a slag for uh, for uh, when people offer him a film deal. He normally says, yeah, whatever. Yeah, and he also does give students a good deal because when they, I, I don't know, it's a little known fact or not, but when students write to him and say, "Can we have the rights to your uh, book to make a uh, make a student film?" He does for one one dollar. Really? Yeah, that's a, that's very a nice. fact. So he's very generous, but he he don't mind what his films are. He don't mind what you know who takes on his books most of the time. But the Dark Tower stuff, he's been quite protective about. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's because it's like his, his magnum yeah. opus. Yeah. yeah, he he, and I think rightly so. I think it's such an amazing piece of work. You know that if people give it the a, a chance, they'll they'll love it. I think he, he's right to to see it as something that he needs to protect. Obviously, Marvel are doing the comic series. Um, um, and the stand as well now. There's doing. a perfect uh, sto- uh, story with for a comic, for a video games actually the uh, Takeshi Kovacs thing, which is um, mm. Altered Carbon, which is the thing that Rob recommended we all read. To be honest, it was I, all right. I thought it was guff. Yeah, it, it was okay. The first, the, uh, I think I liked Altered Carbon. The next two Takeshi Kovacs books are a bit, bit linear. They're straight action movies. So they're almost written like. Can I have a movie contract, please? Yeah, right. I hate books like that. Yeah, and they're, they're written to be movies almost. But at the same time, this guy is like a, a, a private detective, sort of kind of guy. But he's well, he's a mercenary as much as anything. So he's a part soldier, part detective. He does whatever pays, essentially. Um, and they swap bodies, so he has different bodies for different jobs. Like That's, that's pure video game, you know? Mm. This guy who can 
occupy any body. So one minute, one minute you can be in this, this like body of this hulking dude who's like still gunning down dudes, yeah. and next you can be in the body of a woman and sneaking around stealthily. Yeah, you could do all kinds of stuff with that. And of course, that guy, where he wrote it, whose name escapes me, does anyone Richard remember his Morgan. Name? Richard Morgan. Richard Morgan, yeah, EA. is working with EA right now. Yeah. He's uh, plotting three EA games, one of which might well be Dead Space 2. I'm sure it will yeah, be. Yeah, I'm sure it will be. Right, well, um, that's probably about enough of that, uh, two hours later. So, uh, we thanks thanks for listening. Thanks for buying the mag. Uh, do find us on uh, on Twitter, as usual. And on uh, Facebook now. On Facebook now, as well. Um, you can speak to us via the forum. Um, you can email us at xbw.futurenet.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Do write le- emails to us for the, for the letters page because we have get, um, prizes and all, all sorts of stuff for the best letters. Um, and that just leaves us to say happy Christmas and uh, have a good new year and uh, we'll see you in uh, 2010. We're back in 2010 with more of the same and as we've said earlier, more of the same. Not always a bad thing. Just in this case it is. Yeah. All right, bye. Merry Christmas. Bye.